you're listening to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and strengthened as you listen to this week's message. Good morning. I'm glad that you're here with us. My name is Pastor Ralph. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. Love spending time with you all. Love spending time in God's presence and just glad that you're here. Before we do anything, we have a dear sister who's part of this family. Her name is Grace Cummings. And if you don't know Grace, we're gonna, you're going to stand in agreement. We're going to pray for Grace. Grace was rushed to the hospital this morning. Uh, Grace was, and Grace Cummings was, and she has an irregular heartbeat, which um, it's been kind of, it's not, it's not been acting up. It's, it's been something that I think, this is different? Okay, so it's different. Somebody told me it was an ab, ab thing. or Okay. Well, God knows what it is, and also we believe that God is a healer. And before we do anything right now, Jesus, the greatest faith that Jesus saw, one of the greatest faiths, was the faith of the centurion. He said, I've not seen faith like that in all of Israel, where he commanded. He knew the, he knew the protocol of commanding. He knew the proper uh, channels of authority. He said, I've been a, so we have authority that's been given to us by Jesus. And Jesus, we release your power and your healing right now at this very moment. I love the scriptures. Within the same hour, Grace, who, her heart was healed and touched. She was strengthened and she was released from the hospital. Father, we pray for your healing power to go forth and we release it in humbleness and in authority because you've given us the authority to release it. So it's by your name, in the name of Jesus, we say, touch Gracie right now in the hospital. Father, we pray for protection. Pray for your grace. We pray abundant grace upon grace. Lord, just cover her now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Just going to wet your whistle a little bit this morning and, and have a good time. But I want you to just ponder this question in your heart. Do you desire to be great? Do you desire to be great? Because I grew up in a family where I didn't really learn about greatness. Um, my mom and dad are both with the Lord. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you're born again, if you received him, you are born again. He, you know, I love that song because we were dead in our trespasses and he made us alive. Ephesians chapter 2. And um, when I think of my mom and dad, you know, I love them. They did the best they knew how. But if you understand some of this language, the way we could say it is I grew up in a poverty mindset. I grew up in a poverty mindset. It's just how we, it's how they lived. Um, crazy stories. I won't get into them, but, you know, I probably saw my mom arrested for shoplifting at least five times. My dad was a hustler. I, remember the old days you used to siphon gas with the hose out of your mouth? You just spit some out? You know, my dad taught me that when I was like 13 years old as we were stealing gas out of a construction site. So I say this only because as you are born again and you come into the kingdom, you know, you, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're like a child. You can't even enter unless you're born again. Okay, so let's settle that right now. Jesus has done everything that we can see and hear. 
and we can experience the kingdom. But then you come into the kingdom and you realize that your heavenly father is the most awesome dad in the world. And the kingdom that's within you, that's, that with, was, it's right here, it's at hand, is a completely different set of values, a completely different way of thinking. And now you're growing up. It's a process of God working in us, through us, revealing his heart, revealing what does it look like to be in the kingdom and live on earth. So for many years I learned, uh, the Lord took me through a journey where I learned how to dream. I could dream. You know, God wants you to have big dreams. So in this language or in this culture, so we're going to say in the environment of New Hope, within this culture of a family, we're promoting and encouraging each other to dream. They were also promoting each other to be great. So it's kind of funny. I see Carrie Phillips, and I love Carrie Phillips, and she's awesome. I just, she's highlighted right now. But like, Carrie, be great. But here's what's neat. We're going to let the king of glory define for us what greatness is. Okay? We're going to let the king of glory, Jesus Christ, define for us everything that we grew up with, you might be challenged with today, or you might be on um, a, a positive thinking track. Positive thinking does not make you great. <clears throat> you could be a Fortune 500 CEO, it doesn't mean you're great. So here's an interesting scripture I'm going to read for you. Luke 9.46. We're not going to go there, I'm just going to highlight some scriptures. You want to do your homework later, write it down. Luke 9.46, pa- great passage of scripture. Then a dispute among, arose among them. Jesus had disciples. They followed him. He taught them. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. Which of them would be the greatest? They weren't even thinking of all eternity or all the people that would come after. They're like, you know, it's got to be one of us. We're going to be the greatest. So Luke 9, 46. I'm going to press the pause button. Pause. Our culture in America, who's the greatest boxer ever lived? Muhammad Ali, see? Amila, I wrote that down. The greatest boxer. I am the greatest. Now, he self-proclaimed greatness. He said he was the greatest. But think about it. Who, uh, if you're a football fan, greatest football team ever to be? See, 85 Bears, 72 Dolphins. The Giants, uh, what year? Just playing. This year, they're 1-7, Brandon. Give me something. Greatness. Greatness. They got great character, but they're not winning. Okay? Here's my point. We grow up with entertainers. We grow up in a culture of athletes and movie stars. And was Steve Jobs great? Well, listen, he was great in what he did. There are those, if you read his biography, there are those who thought he was a complete jerk and a hard man. And he was, you know, he could have been into Zen and Buddha. See, here's my point. Just because somebody accomplishes great things or God gave them the ability to invent something doesn't mean they're great. Is Muhammad Ali really the greatest boxer of all time? See, all that stuff can be debated. If you are, if you are any type of athlete, uh, a football or a sports nut, what I meant to say, if you're any type of a sports nut, talk radio can drive you absolutely crazy. All they do is they love talking about stuff. You know, who is the best quarterback to ever wear number 12? You know, not just the greatest quarterback. You know, who's the greatest offensive lineman? Who's the greatest linebacker? Who's the greatest baseball pitcher? Who's the greatest movie star? Who's the greatest whatever? 
And I was meditating on this because in my spirit, as I've been allowed to dream and renew my mind with kingdom thinking, I'm telling you there's been an encounter that I've had with the Lord and he's been speaking to me and what we're, what we're talking about is he's speaking to me and he's saying to me, I want you to be great. And I'm like, whoa, you know. Now, see, see what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to paint a picture. So does it mean, what is my greatness going to look like? What is greatness? So I just want to take one example of Scripture. If you love the Word of God, 1 Corinthians 13 is an amazing passage of Scripture because it's so beautiful, and then at the end of it, you really understand what greatness is. I'm going to zip through it very quickly and, and what I would call a paraphrase. I'm going to highlight things. 1 Corinthians 13 is the greatest chapter. It's called the love chapter. When John spoke several weeks ago and he highlighted what Mark had said, it w- I was reminded that we read Scripture way too fast. We do. When, when you have a, you know, or you've put it on your wedding or you've se- heard it read at a wedding and we think, oh, we got this down. 1 Corinthians 13 is a mind-blowing Scripture. Because it talks about agape love, charity. It talks about the greatest gift being love. The greatest of these being love. So we find in this passage of scripture that we could speak with tongues of men and angels. We could have the gift of prophecy. We could understand all mysteries and all knowledge. You can be the smartest person on planet earth. You can have all faith, all knowledge, all mysteries, all faith. You can speak to mountains and have them move. You can give everything you own to the poor. You can give your body to be sacrificed. And if you have not love, then you've done it all for naught. Now think about what it's saying there. If, you, if, you did, if the motive of your heart, at the end of today's message, I hope that you understand this is an issue of the heart. What is the condition of your heart? You can do all that, and 1 Corinthians says, If you have not love, then you have nothing. You've achieved nothing. You've accomplished nothing. It's it's all for naught. And it says, what does it say at the end of the passage? There's three that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest. Is there any dispute among which is the greatest of them? See, we're not talking about Muhammad Ali here. We're not talking about the greatest defense that ever played. We're not talking about the greatest slugger of all time. We're not talking about the greatest businessman that ever lived. The word of God is so solid that if you want to be defined by the word of God, then the greatest is love. So I want you to leave with two words as you leave this morning. I, want, I would love and pray that you'd be meditating on them. They'd be part of your lifestyle. But if you're agape love, if you love people you will fit under the category of being great. So now, take it back to my time with the Lord. Ralph, I want you to be great. I want you to be the greatest lover of people that people have ever met. I watch my wife, and she is a lover of people. I just boast on you, Wanda. I love you. She is amazing. But I watch, you know what the care thing I I see? I see love demonstrated. We had a neat time with our son this week. Was it this week, Wanda, the conversation, or last week? Time flies. Last week, we had a great conversation with our second son who lives in Denver, Colorado. He's 30 years old. And the compliment that he gave mom and dad 
was there's something really, I'm learning, he's 30 years old, and he called us rock stars. He says, you guys are becoming more and more my rock stars because of your capacity. Here's what he was saying. Because of your capacity to love and love life and love people. He's seeing it. And guess what? As I look out here, I know that the same thing could be said of many. But here's what, here's what I'm admiring to. Here's what I'm longing for and what I want you to understand at the end of this day. I want you to desire and to be motivated and have a heart that says, I'm going to be a lover. I'm going to love. How many people get sidelined, distracted, hurt, knocked out of the race, and they're bitter and they're angry and they're awful people to be around because they, they've lost sight of love? Okay? Luke 9, 46. We're still on the pause button. Ever, ever just catch a Saturday afternoon? Wanda and I have, we, Wanda and I have watching the four, four kids this weekend. We're, we know four little guys, nine to three. There is no time for nothing. No time. <laughs> if you are a parent of, you know, we forgot, you know, you don't forget, but having kids every minute of every day is something. So about two weeks ago, we had nobody in the house but Wanda and I, and Wanda was doing something, and I, you know, ESPN or my sports channel. And this, this was another, th- this is how God speaks to me. Does any, has anyone ever heard of the Pikes Peak Hill Climb? Raise your hand if you have. Okay. Pikes Peak Hill Climb. You guys know we have three children, live in Denver, Colorado. I've been to Pikes Peak. Juan and I went to the top, the summit of Pikes Peak this spring and summer. Awesome. We took the train. It's breathtaking. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. We took, the, we took the train. We didn't drive it. They said don't drive it. It's, it's, it's gnaw buckling. It's, it's horrible. It's if you want to go off cliffs. If you're going to enjoy it, take the train. So I catch a show on the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. 91 years the second oldest race in America. It's, it's always been a dirt track. Now it's like paved in dirt. This, le- this year, 2013, all paved. The best in the world go there. They, t- they, they, they time against the clock, start and finish on this most intense adrenaline type thing you've ever could imagine. So let's just say you're not into cars at all or speed or adrenaline, but just be, bear with me a minute. You get in a race car, you got all the gear on, you're driving as fast as you can around curves and mountains and death all around you. <laughs> the concentration, the, the intensity, the, the communication, the skill level. See, all this stuff I love because you know what's awesome? What they did was they got the best driver in the world. Anybody know this guy, Sebastian Loeb? The best driver in the world and what he does and the best racing car team in the world and they got together and they were going to conquer this mountain. 91 years. 91 years. Everybody knows there's world records, right? They time this thing. There's competition. Gets the trophy. Who's going to win? The guy last year broke the world record. I'm just going to make this really simple. Let's say it was nine minutes. It was nine something. Nine minutes to go from here to there. He busted the 91-year-old world record last year. Well, Sebastian comes with his team. Peugeot comes with, it takes them all year to prepare for this race. This guy had never driven the track. He had never run the race before, and he could only practice in three parts. Imagine Pikes Peak. They say in one day, you can get all four. You can get spring, summer, winter, and what's the other one? Fall. 
right? He said, they said he could get off for a season. How did he get fall in spring? I don't know, whatever we were saying. But his point was difficult climate, changing climate, track, unpredictable track. Wanda's no, Wanda's, this show's awesome. I'm glued to it. Pike's Peak race. The adrenaline's flowing. This, Sebastian gets in the car. I mean, you know, they, you know, they got all these go cameras, and you're like, you are in the car. I mean, if, you, if they had a machine hooked up to me, my heart races. I'm like, and, he, and I mean, we're talking mountain cliffs. People die every year. Going, 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 boom, boom. You know, the crowd is like, I'm going, I, I got to go there one time in my life. Bucket list item now. Pikes Peak Hill Climb with my son. Finishes the race. Anybody who knows anything about racing, I mean, horse racing, car racing, the kids running down the street, to blow a world record by one minute and 30 seconds? One 90 seconds, one minute and 30 seconds off last year's record? Everybody was kind of like, this will never be touched again. And I'm watching this race, and I'm so excited. Was I driving you a little crazy, Wanda? I was trying to tell her about it. <laughs> I think I was trying to tell her about it after Wanda. Yeah, the Pike Speak race, unbelievable! <laughs> right? So I'm so excited about it because now here's what's happening to me. This is greatness in their field. But as I'm watching this, there is a partnership between the greatest driver and the greatest race car team. And they busted out a record that was 91 years old. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says to me, your greatness is Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is greatness. You're partnering with the greatest story ever told. You're partnering. The greatest thing you could ever happen to you is to be born again. When you're born again, you are now in the kingdom of God, and you are great. And here's my scripture reference for it. In the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, there are amazing stories, amazing people. I can't wait to meet some of these folks if we get to meet them. I pray we get to meet them. Moses, Elijah, I mean, you know, uh, who, uh, David, all of them. The greatest in the old was John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said. So if Jesus said it, I'm in. John the Baptist is the greatest in the old covenant. And then he says, when you're born again and you come into the kingdom of God, the least in the kingdom is the greatest of the old. And that also speaks to the fact that the old, cov- of the old covenant is so obsolete and so outdated and so it could never achieve anything. The new covenant now achieves it all because what the old covenant could never do, Jesus did in the new covenant. Restored relationship with God, the Father, came through Jesus in the new covenant. Never, the law could never do it. So now we have this amazing parallel between the greatest of the old and the least in the new, and I am in the new, and I'm greater than Moses. Think about what I'm saying. I'm greater than Elijah. Why? Because the very spirit of the living God lives in me. The very spirit of the living God dwells in me. It's not anything I've done. Now, I love the fact that God gave people skills. Shar said it last week in her message, and I loved it. In the kingdom of God, at New Hope Community Church, in our culture and in our family, we are not promoting underachieving. 
be great. First thing you should walk out of here is be great, be the greatest lover, because being a lover of God and a lover of people, you're going to be great. So here is another story that I want to share with you. Matthew 23. In my notes, I wrote down, Jesus is a little mad here. A football field, I would say something really different. But that's how I got the sense. I got the sense that he's talking here. And he's, he's, he's upset. Matthew 23. I want to do something real quick. Oh, I got it. Good, I got it. You ever read the King James, New King James, New American Standard, try all the translations? And not that they're hard to understand, but then you go with the New Living Translation. And it's like talking to your friend at work. Easy. Matthew 23, verse 1, New Living Translation. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. He defined what they were. He did not argue that point. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. Boom, punch, boop. For they don't practice what they teach. Ooch. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. But if that was like a trend, do you know what I mean? I'm cool, I'm great, big, big sleeve thing, whatever that was, right? <laughs> and, they love, and they love to wear extra-long tassels. Obviously, that was the, the culture at the time. And they love to sit at the head table at banquets, and in the seat of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and be called rabbi. Hi, rabbi. You're living large. You're living big, rabbi. You're great. Look at you. Big, wide thing, tassels, best seat. They kind of, this gets a little intense. I never really read, when I began to meditate on this, because I tell you what, this is even for, this is, all this is for us, but watch this. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you only have one teacher, and all of you are equal. And all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Wow. And don't let anyone address you here on earth as father. Do not call me father. For only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you teacher. For you only have one teacher, the Messiah. Then he says in verse 11, The greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest among you must be a servant. I wrote it down in the New King James. But he that is the greatest among you but he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. Boy, talk about a punch. You want to achieve greatness? You want to be great? Jesus 
Did, did, you, did you sense any little agitation in Jesus as in Matthew 23? Anybody else? I mean, like, like you do everything for show. Everything was a motive of his heart. They wanted to be the big shots. What is that, a Billy Joe song, you know? See, yeah, well, how's that go? I, I actually wrote it down. I just don't know how it goes. So you want to be a big shot, don't you? Dun, 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 right? So you want to be a big shot. Now think about this. What do you call when there's so contrasting things? Carl, help me. Con- I want to be a big shot, but I want to be humble. I can do nothing apart from him, but I can do great things in him, right? What is that? What is that? Whatever that is. Okay, let's make a word now. That's extremes. Extreme watts. Uh, it seems like an oxymoron, but here's what's awesome. I want to be great. So I have the spirit of God in me saying, be great. But it's not about self. Be great. Be a lover of people and serve. Be great. Don't look at your earthly achievements and compare yourself to one another. Don't even call, you know, this made me think, man, if I was a, a teacher, I'd be like, whoa, don't call me teacher. I'm equal with you. We're brothers and sisters. But think about what he's saying. It's a motive of your heart to elevate yourself above someone else, to feel better about yourself and put somebody else down, to have the best seat in the synagogue, to have people give you compliments. Hi, Rabbi. Hi, Rabbi. Hi, teacher. To put your, it's all about a condition of the heart. They did it all for show. You know, a lot of people are doing great things for show. So the Holy Spirit is saying, be great. Be great. You want to be great? Jesus Christ defines greatness. Be the servant and be the lover. Now here's one of my other favorite, I love how this plays out a little bit. We're going to have a little fun in Mark 9. So go to, if you like, just reading along. Mark 9. I'm learning to use my little iP- iPad here. Mark 9. Okay. I love the way I love the way this one took place. The Gospels are all awesome because I love how they all have a different angle on things. But, but Mark 33, Mark 33, it starts where he said, then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, okay, l- let's go back a little bit. Do you realize if you take the accounts now, I'm, I don't claim to be, a biblical scholar in this sense. All I can tell you is that these guys are experiencing supernatural great things. Okay? They're experiencing supernatural great things that mind-boggling. I mean, they, are, they have experienced in these chapters the feeding of over 5,000, the young boy that had um, diseases and, and demons in him get delivered and saved. He is doing amazing things Miracles, you know, Jesus gave his disciples power and authority over all devils. Read the King James, all devils and to cure all diseases. He sent them out, preaching the kingdom of God. 
They were experiencing amazing things. They experienced the transfiguration. They experienced Peter, Peter, James, and John saw Moses and Elijah in the mountain. Jesus turned into glory. Okay, so like kind of think maybe they're on a roll with me. They're experiencing great things. They're seeing great things. Maybe they think they are one of the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And now here's what's funny about it. They're actually experiencing all this thing. When I had a moment with Wanda this week, in the midst of all these things, they are experiencing, they've been given power and authority. In the midst of all these miracles and signs and wonders and amazing supernatural things, he keeps trying to tell them, I'm going to die soon. I am going to die so you can live. It's over and over again in the chapters. And it's somewhat interesting because he literally tells them he's going to die. He's going to be given up to be betrayed. And the very next line was a, 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 a conversation arose among themselves. Who's going to be the greatest? Got it? Got it? They're not listening. They're not hearing. But in this one, I love the way this happened because the disciples were walking. Um, they came to a house, and then they departed from Galilee, and he didn't know. I'm sorry, sorry. Okay, I did that. Okay. Um, verse 31. He came to this village. He came to the house, and then he asked them. This is what he, see, he asked them in, in Mark. What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? Now, you guys, does anybody have kids? You know, mom and dad walk into the room. The kids are off fighting, screaming, yelling. Don't you love this question? Hey, guys, what's going on? Who started the fight? You ever notice that they think you're dumb? Because there is truth here. Somebody started the fight. They all go, no, nobody started the fight. What's happening here, right? So I love this because he says, what was it you were disputing among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. I just get the biggest kick out of that. <laughs> Did you ever find yourself talking among somebody you know, who's going to be the greatest? But these guys, the, I just got to tell you this, because this was amazing to me. L- love reading the word, but you know, like, he just does this big thing on servants and what it means in a heart condition. The very next scripture verse is they said something like this. They said, um, these guys over here were casting out demons and doing miracles in your name, but they weren't part of our group. So we told them to stop. You know? I mean, just read it for me later, but like, are they getting it? You know what I mean? McFly, is anybody home? You know, like, were they getting it? I don't know if they were getting it, but I'm sure they got it. But I'm just amazed at how Jesus was working with these guys. So stay with me here a little bit. God is working among us. We are believing God for signs and wonders and miracles. I hope I get a call today. Cheryl, Pastor Cheryl is serving Gracie right now in the hospital and that this heart condition was healed in the name of Jesus. This, this Thursday night, there's a group of us praying for the sick and we're believing God for miracles. We've been experiencing getting healed of our own we're experiencing healing. And in all this stuff, it will not make us great. That's not going to be the distinguishing mark upon this house or this church or us as a people in our community. 
It's going to be that we loved and we served. That we love and that we serve. Matthew 23, at the end when Jesus says that, when he's disgusted, to me I use this word, he's disgusted with the religious system of the day. And then he says to be the greatest. You know, that just to me, because if you look, it just kind of came out of nowhere. He's teaching, he's talking to the people, he's talking to the crowds, his disciples. He's laying this whole picture out, and then he says to them, you want to be the greatest? Be the greatest servant. If you don't know this, Jesus Christ said he did not come to be served, but to serve others. He is a beautiful demonstration of the greatest ever. So I'm going to close, and everybody knows when I like to close, I like to have Mary come up. Because I love the anointing of the keyboard. When you look up the word greatest, when you look up the word greatest, this is not an exaggeration. You know how we have these funny sayings in our culture? You want to live large? You want to live large? Who wants to live large? Okay, like, are we, are we, is that gangster anymore? Is that gangster anymore? What is that? I want to live large. You want to be a big shot? If you want to be a big shot, you want to live large, you want to live big, how, you know, I remember that, there was a season, remember? You know, how you doing? I'm living big, living large, right? I'm, I'm living, I'm out, outrageous, right? Now it's, you know, huge Rochester. Everybody says it steals the huge Rochester commercial. But you want to live big? You want to live large? You want to be great? And one of the most beautiful stories, Jesus takes a child and he demonstrates the fullness of greatness through a child. And he takes a child and he says, if you want to be great, be like a child. And when you study that greatness he's talking about, it says to be humble, to have humility, to have meekness, to be gentle and kind. This humility, I love this quote that I wrote. It's, it's this great paradox in Christianity that makes humility the avenue to glory. That's good. This great paradox in Christianity that makes humility the avenue to glory. You want glory? You want to be great? Not proud or haughty? not ambitious in the wrong sense that promotes yourself. You want to be great? Holy Spirit, we close right now and we ask that we would have revelation of greatness. And Father, I pray that the language that we use and the defining language of what we're communicating, if I say to Wanda as she leaves for work tomorrow, honey, be great today. Be great today. For Jesus said, apart from him, you could do nothing. If you abide in him and he abides in you, you will bear much fruit. There's great things that he wants to do for you. Apart from him, you can do nothing. So Jesus, even this morning, we declare that our greatness is having you fill us up and walking with us and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that in all the activities that we're partaking in, 
that the thing that motivates us, the ambition or desire that's in us, is that we would pause for just a second and say, Jesus, am I loving? Am I agape? Am I loving with affection? Is it an affection, unconditional love that is motivating me to do this? When I'm with other people, the Lord showed me you can do this at work, you can do this at your home, you can do this in your, in your family. This, if you take a hold of being the greatest person and understanding that love and serving is what makes you great, it changes, it changes your home life. There's no competition over who's doing the dishes or taking out the trash or helping out with the kids or whatever needs to be done. There's a heart of serving and love and greatness is demonstrated in your home, at work. Don't join the negative gang. Be part of the love and servant. Be, be distinguished at your work. Father, I just pray that as we've been listening to, to my message today, I just pray the thing that would remain in every heart of every believer is that Jesus defined our greatness. And he is our greatness. And he defines it now by, seeing, by saying to us, literally, you want to be the greatest? Be the servant. Be like a child. Be the greatest lover. Be the greatest server. And be content in your greatness. And Holy Spirit, I pray for every person here, that they would be strengthened by this message. I pray that they would have an identity that's strong wherever they go. Stop. We break this ugly comparison in Jesus' name. We're not comparing. We're not striving. And Father, bless your people in Jesus' name.